The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And all the gizmos and gadgets, it's spring in the Northern Hemisphere and spring has sprung. And with it comes the usual batch of shiny new toys, great new gizmos and gadgets. And luckily this year it seems that the huge disruptions of uh, COVID have sort of faded a little in the background, although there's still massive, massive shortages of chips because everyone went mobile, everyone went uh, personal, everyone bought laptop, laptops and computers to take home and do what you need to do. So there's been a huge shortage of uh, processor chips globally, and that shortage seems to be intensifying a little, which does affect the um, manufacture of all the various little gadgets and gizmos, mobile phones, laptops, you name it. In fact, it's had a massive impact on the car industry. I've heard that major brands that import cars into South Africa and globally are shipping cars without critical processor parts built in and waiting with those cars shipped to various places around the world, waiting in storage until the chip manufacturers are ready to ship the various bits and pieces, and then these cars are assembled. So there is a huge impact with that, and unfortunately, I don't think that's going to come right anytime soon. The major challenge, and I'm completely diverging from my planned show, but I think it's actually important to understand what's going on. The major challenge is that high tech chips are made by very few manufacturers globally. In fact, the largest manufacturer manufacturer of high-tech chips, mobile chips, chips that fit into cars, chips that fit into everything from refrigerators through to major medical equipment, are made by a couple of companies. And one of the biggest is TMSC, which is Taiwan uh, computer chip manufacturer, and it's based in Taiwan, which as many, many will know, is sort of being claimed both by China and by the Taiwanese people. So there's a little bit of rumblings in the, the, the South China Sea around Taiwan and everything that goes on there. But simply put, most of the West's high-tech and really high-tech cutting-edge chips from Qualcomm, from Apple, from everybody are made there. The other manufacturer is Samsung in Korea, and they're pretty big. But other than that, there aren't many large-scale chip manufacturing plants. Intel makes some chips in, in Israel. They make some chips in, in America and some in, in Mexico as well. But overall, it's very concentrated, and there's great danger in this massive concentration of um, chips and chips across the world. So expect this to have some impact on the, the various products that we're going to see in the next little while. And certainly it's going to slow down some of these ultra luxury fast cars and even some of the small ones. Ford have announced, Toyota have announced, and the lowest end VW have announced, even on the small polos. There's plenty chips in those cars. Computers are bound and they're struggling to get the stock they need to manufacture. So anyway, moving on to more exciting things uh, and <laughs> certainly a little less uh, problematic in terms of supply, is that DSTV announced two interesting things this week. The first one is that Vivendi, which is a French company, um, has now bought over 15% of um, 
multi-choice. So we're, we've got our largest pay TV provider in South Africa owned by a French conglomerate, which is Canal Plus and Vivendi. I believe this is actually a very good thing. The global, the global television space is super competitive. The technologies involved are extremely expensive. Satellite television and all the various other distribution factors are cutting edge and moving really quickly. So having a big brother in a European and major French company probably will do us a lot of good. Bring more content, um, arrange better buying power, even though DSTV and MultiChoice are huge across Africa and pretty big in South Africa as a major player in that space, it doesn't hurt to have a partner that can assist at a global level, certainly going forward, you know, with all the new changes and everything that's happening in the media space, the streaming space, the broadcast space, even though I do believe that broadcast in South Africa Satellite broadcast and even terrestrial broadcast will probably survive for many, many more years until um, streaming totally takes over. But we'll see where that space goes. But what DSTV have also done is they've launched an Internet package. Obviously, they're finding that people are struggling. Streaming is becoming more and more prevalent wherever you go and having access to high-speed internet is definitely something that every household needs once and absolutely will pay for at some point or another there are a, a lot of interesting um, packages that they've brought out and mostly where the value lies is when you bundle a dstv premium package along with a contract and along with a um a ZTE router, they're offering ZTE routers. You can just buy the SIM card and pop it into your own router if you want. You want, And um, the pricing is pretty reasonable on the face of it. A SIM-only package with 25 gigs of data is 199 110 gigs of data is 479 and 220 gigs of anytime data is 779 The fly in the ointment is that SIM-only packages are cheaper from Rain, I'll mention that in a bit, from MTN and from others. So, their, their data-only packages um, are not great, unfortunately. I think you can probably get from MTN, Rain, even Vodacom, certain packages depending on the size and the length of your contract. And Celsius are offering non-contract packages that are super competitive. So I think DSTV have missed the boat a little bit on their um, website, you know, on their, their packages. You can check it out on the DSTV internet website. And the routers use ZTE, they pretty slick. They work very well. I think it's running on the MTN network, so the, the quality and the speed is going to be good. But where it starts getting super interesting is when you start bundling the various packages together, and that's where you start saving money. So if you take their 25 gig package with DSTV+, Plus, that's the full package with the internet bundle, it's about 14% cheaper then the closest prepaid DSTV package plus the Celsius or MTN package, and a little bit cheaper than even MTN. As you go up the bundle, up to the 110 gig, which I must admit, if you're going to watch a lot of TV and it does stream at fairly high resolution, up to 1080, you are going to need more data than 25 gig. You'll run out of that super fast, especially if you're doing other stuff on it. So 110 gig package will cost around about 1179, including DSTV Plus with the internet bundle. So 
it really, there are obviously a whole host of other packages. You can check it out at any point in time. But if you're already paying for DSTV and you don't have Fiverr and you're looking for a really good deal on on Internet, and I think where it really gets useful is it's a one-stop shop. In other words, you, you hook up with DSTV. They take care of your, your TV streaming. They also take care of your Internet, one call center, Lot simpler for many people. But check it out. They're available right now. You can go to the DSTV website. It'll take you there. Just remember that if you're buying a SIM-only deal, even though it might be slick and easy to do, you can get better deals if you look around between Celsi, MTN, Vodacom, and all the other providers in that space. MTN, remember, also is on MT on Celsi is on MTN's network, and uh, you get great you get great quality, great service, and everything that you want from that. Just before we have our quick break, I just want to mention that. Uh, our friends at Rain offering a 5G service for 4.99 a month, which is uncapped, and that seems like a really, really, really good deal. What they do do is they restrict your speed to 25 megabits per second, which is pretty good. And from the testing that I've played with, it seems to work extremely well. They also restrict the quality of your stream to 720p. So generally, that's not a problem. Though Netflix streams all the way up to 1080, which is full HD. So if you're looking for a really good quality and service in the 5G space, then the new RAIN package is actually pretty, pretty good value. As I said last year, prices are going to keep coming down and uncapped 5G, solid, works really well if you're in the coverage area. And it's a lot more reliable than 4G. Wireless is not as good as fiber, but as an alternative, it's certainly excellent. And on that note, we'll take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe where I'm talking Apple and Microsoft. Lots of action in that space right now, and we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to the sort of big news of September, always every September, Apple has become sort of the the benchmark for starting the, the end of the year, the holiday season, and for most part, the winter season in, in Europe. But spring for us, so it's always sort of a spring break of new toys from Apple. And the big announcements, although the leaks were pretty spot on, was the new iPhone 13. And I think let's talk about that from the get-go. I've had it's available and will be in South Africa on the 8th of October. So I think the pre-orders open fairly soon. The pre-orders are available in most of Europe and America right now. I think the product ships tomorrow, the 24th. So there'll be lots of reviews, lots of people talking about the new iPhone 13. Well, the first thing to, to see is that there's been very little change to the physical proportions, look and feel of the phone. Both the iPhone and the iPhone Pro 13 have not changed very much. They've shifted around on the iPhone uh, itself. The, the cameras, instead of being vertically aligned, they sort of on an angle across the, the little square that houses the cameras. But they've done a lot of work on the inside. All the models, from the little iPhone to the iPhone Max to the iPhone Pro and the iPhone Pro Max, have got brand new screens. And they feature a couple of little things. A slightly smaller notch on the front, so you get a little bit more screen real estate. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think... When you see it in real life, you'll notice that there's a little bit more information on the top left and right with a slightly smaller notch. 
all the, the cameras and everything seem to have been miniaturized and fit, fitted in. The screen, talking of which, is now a hundred, is now a, a slightly enhanced screen on the iPhone 13, but on the, on the Pro, the iPhone 13 Pro, they've moved to a 120 hertz screen, which gives a dynamic refresh rate, which is much smoother. Having used the new um, Samsung and the various other models that have got high refresh rate screens, you really do get used to the smoothness that you can scroll through stuff. And no matter how quickly you scroll, there's no jagged edges. There's no jumping around. It's just super smooth. So I expect the new iPhones to offer the same sort of technology, although iOS has always been very good at looking and feeling smooth. But there's no question a 120 hertz screen is much better than a 90 hertz or the current 50 or 60 hertz screens that are, are, are in many, many phones. So that's a major improvement. Also, Apple, in their usual fashion, have done one thing better. It's a very, it's a dynamic screen. So in other words, what happens, the one downside of a high refresh rate screen, which simply what it means is that it paints the picture on the screen 120 times a second. So it's smoother, it's faster, it's sharper. However, it uses more battery. So in order to minimize the hit on your battery, what they've done is made the screen smart. In other words, it'll always look for what you're doing on the screen and adjust its refresh rate to match. So if you, for example, are looking at static text and there's nothing going on on the screen, it'll probably slow the refresh rate down to a much slower amount, save battery life. And only when you start moving or playing games or doing something really quickly on the screen will automatically notch up to the full speed to give you the smoothness and everything that you need. What they've also done is improved to the latest A15 Bionic chip. Apple have always been very, very advanced in their chip manufacturing. They control it themselves. They make their own chips. They design their own chips. Well, they don't physically make them. They're made for them by TMSC and other people like Samsung. But... They design a very integrated chip with some of the latest technologies and the latest tech uh, manufacturing systems and platforms that you can get. And it's always shown that the benchmarks always show that the Apple chips are some of the fastest chips on any device on the planet. And in fact, in many cases, they're more powerful than big laptop chips and some of the heavy duty uh, Intel chips that are out there running your PC. So really powerful chips which allow the small iPhones to basically be massively powerful computers in your your pocket with with video quality and processing quality that is pretty, pretty ridiculous. And where you see this more than anything is in the quality of the cameras. They have definitely improved those pretty significantly across the new iPhone 13s. And you are definitely going to see um, some benefits. One of the coolest things they showed was a new cinema mode, which gives you automatic, um, the best way to describe it, focus in a movie. So if you're making a movie, and of course it's all Dolby Digital and Dolby um, Vision and you name it, so the highest quality pictures you can get. But if you're using your phone, the iPhone 13, as a cinematography phone, you get the ability to, to switch focus, not only while you're taking the movie, but after you've taken the movie, you can adjust the focus, the depth of the focus. And it's a type of book here, like they've done, where you take portrait mode and you blur the background. But here, what they've done is they've created in AI, in the software, the ability to switch focus from, from the product that's in 
you taking a picture of someone and there's someone in the background, they can blur out or fade back in. It's extremely slick from the demonstrations. I've not tried it, but I'm going to shortly. It's extremely slick and very professional. And it's something that has not been able to be done on a phone prior. And I think makes a huge difference because what you can do with an iPhone, you used to only be able to do with massive professional cameras. So check that out. What they've also done is improved the battery life by up to two and a half hours on the big Pro Maxes and the Max models because that is always a good thing. Not that the 12 was terrible. It wasn't bad. I could normally get through a full day with an iPhone 12, but definitely the new iPhone 13s across the entire range have got between one and a half and two and a half um, extra hours of battery. And that makes a huge difference when you you're doing what you need to be doing and running around, and uh, it certainly does help. And I think that's a combination of bigger battery. Also, the, the, the new processor is slightly more power efficient, and also the fact that the screens have been updated to give you the ability to have variable refresh rates. So all of this works together to give you really, really good battery life and certainly uh, a big deal. The bottom line really is this. If you have an iPhone 12, there's probably no insane compelling reason, unless you're a gadget gizmo guy like me, to upgrade from a 12 to a 13. If you've got a 10, 11, or anything prior, the new 13s, the prices haven't changed. Let's see what the final prices in South Africa are. They're probably, with the RAND being somewhat stable and certainly comparable to where it was last year, the prices will probably be the same as they were last year. But And the packages on the various networks will probably be very similar. So upgrading from anything before the 12 probably makes a lot of sense. You get a great camera, great new screens, much faster processor with some added benefits on the pro range. If you're a cinematographer or you really just want to take some super professional home videos that are, are pretty hard to, to miss. Obviously, iOS 15 is out, came out on Monday, well worth the upgrade. It's much more of added features and some cleanup in the background than a major update to iOS 14 and 14.7, 14.8 came out, well, 14.8 came out last week to fix a few bugs. But mostly I've upgraded to iOS 15 across my iPads, across where there's some big changes. We can talk about that sometime down the road, but some really big changes makes it more of a computer, less of a tablet as you go along. But that's always been Apple's way of working in terms of where they're going with the iPad and the, the IO and the, the Apple OS software on their, their laptops. So you're getting some pretty powerful stuff going on in the iPads. And we'll talk about iPad in a second. But essentially, iOS 15 is a well, <clears throat> is well worth upgrading to. It takes a long time. It's a big upgrade. So don't do it uh, on mobile. Do it on Wi-Fi or pop into the, your nearest Apple store or iStore in South Africa and get it upgraded for you. It's it, it's pretty smooth. doesn't seem to have any major. There'd be no major that I'm aware of, major issues in doing that. But upgrades are always a little bit of a challenge. Always have a backup of your phone, either in iCloud or physically on a computer somewhere, just in case something goes wrong. But generally, very smooth, great new um, focus apps um, and options available. So you can set up scenarios for when you go to bed, when you're at work, you can have certain, a lot of granularity in that. You can choose who can make phone calls or you can receive phone calls from, whether your phone will pick up and make a noise, 
it's just great. Really slick little increase in, in use on that. So iOS 15 is a no-brainer, and it's well worth your time and effort to download if you've been holding off. Your phone's probably warning you that it's time to do so. But combination of the new iOS 15 with all its features and the new iPhone 13, I think will keep Apple, certainly for its fans, right up there on the cutting edge of what's possible. Obviously, the Android people say, well, Apple are just catching up to some of the features of Android. I'm not getting into that here. But simply put, this is a great incremental upgrade. It's not a revolution. There's no huge jump in anything. But I think the combination of really, really good quality processing, a great new screen, better battery life, and iOS 15 makes the iPhone 13 super competitive and keeps it right up front in terms of power and ease of use. The new camera technologies, which I've not even gone into, certainly push the camera setup way ahead um, of some of the others and keeps it right up there in terms of everything else. I mean, there's some amazing camera phones out there, but the combination of computer generated and computer assisted photography on the iPhone along with good quality lenses and all the latest features in that space keep the iPhone as one of the best quality cameras and video cameras on the market in a mobile phone currently. So staying with that theme, Apple also announced the new Apple Watch 7 and they've done some really cool things. There was a lot of rumors of a much more radical upgrade and yet it wasn't that radical, although what they have done is stretch the screen even further across the front. So the whole front of the, of the watch um, has become a screen. They've increased its brightness. They've increased the speed at which it charges, which is quite a big deal. The one flaw for me with Apple Watch is that it wasn't always a great um, sports tracker. You couldn't sleep with it to track your sleep. But now the battery life hasn't increased overall. They're still talking 18 hours. But what they have improved is that if you do sleep with your watch and you put it on charge while you go and brush your teeth, you can get in 10 minutes, eight hours of running time. So you can very quickly, if you have breakfast and don't wear your watch, you might miss a few steps, but you certainly and um, you certainly will be able to get it to a full charge very much quicker than the old Apple Watch 7. Again, prices haven't changed. They haven't announced the launch date. It should be sometime towards the end of October. And we should see quite uh, a big improvement across the speed, new processor, the quality of the screen, new screens, and they've retained, there was a rumor they were going to change all the straps. I'm sure there's a host of brand new fancy straps coming, but the current range of straps still continue to work in the current iPhone. So it's slightly thinner, it's slightly less round, but not that you notice, but the big difference is the huge screen, and it's certainly will bring the watch, and it's without question one of the best-selling smartwatches on the market currently right up to date and really make it a lot easier and quicker to use. So if you're a fan, there's lots of ways that you can keep going and keep things going um, on, on the Apple side. And the last thing they launched was the new iPad Mini. Now, the iPad Mini for many has been a bit of a workhorse it's the smallest iPad around and pretty much owns the market as far as these things go. There's very little competition in that sort of space. And the benefit of the Mini was that it fitted into pockets. Funnily enough, I read that, and I didn't know this, but 
It is used for navigation and used for all sorts of interesting stuff in the cockpits of air- aircraft. So everybody, um, all pilots tend to use an iPad mini for their checklists, for who knows, maybe they even track their, their um, maps or who knows what they do with it. But apparently it's one of the biggest selling points of the iPad mini, and that's why it's never gone away because it's small. Well, what they've done is they've updated the iPad mini to the latest iPad Pro type look. So it's flatter, it's squarer, the screen goes all the way to the edge. They've got rid of the Touch ID on the front. They've moved it to the side and the button like the new iPad Air and improved the quality of the screen. It can now use the Apple Pencil. It's got a much faster, it uses the same processor, which is interesting because no other iPad does yet. Expect to see that coming soon. But the new iPad Air uses the the the, the 15 processor that is being used in the in the iPhones, so it should be super fast, super slick. The price has gone up a little. Expect to see it in South Africa in the next month, I'm sure. And if you are or were craving a much smaller iPad that gave you all the necessary, um, all the necessary iPad features, iPad OS with a pencil, with a little um, cover, with a keyboard, so everything that you need to know and everything that you want, this could be quite the iPad for you. It's small, it's slick, they've shrunk it down a little bit smaller. Some people, it comes with 5G as well, so it's got a built-in modem, it's got everything that you need, and some people are saying this could even be their phone of the future. The one thing it will not have, which um, uh, uh, iPad OS does not have, is a dialer. But there are lots of third-party dialers that you can use and turn it into a fully-fledged phone. So that's going to be super, super interesting. Anyway, it'll be, all these new products will be in South Africa over the next couple of months, and um, certainly the watch. The this is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. So now back to gizmos, gadgets, and whatnot. Microsoft announced yesterday a whole new range of Surface products, and the coolest one of the lot is a new Surface with a magic keyboard-like design. In other words, it looks a little bit like what Apple have done with their Magic Keyboard. And it has some really cool features, some of the latest technology in terms of where it's going. It's a completely new product. You can swivel the screen out. It runs Windows 11. Windows 11 is also coming out, lots of new OSs. Windows 11 is coming out for certain devices, not all. You need a fairly new computer with a fairly strict set of compatibilities in order to run, to run Windows 11. But it's coming out on the 5th of October. So if you have uh, a computer that's compatible, expect to get a notification. I've been using the Windows 11 beta for the last couple of weeks. And I must say it's it's cleaned up its act considerably. It's very iOS-y in its look in some ways. But generally everything I've tried works perfectly on it. And it's pretty slick and very easy to use. Much more touch-friendly. And they've done some real interesting work. But obviously with the rumor of the new MacBook Pros and Macs coming, Microsoft have launched a brand new range of really good quality, good-looking new laptops. They are available in South Africa. They tend to come a little bit more slowly than around the world. But there's no question that the new Surface laptops are going to really take things to the next notch. They're using some of the latest Intel processors, which compete to some extent with the M1 processors from Apple. But the difference is there's now a clear divide. 
Apple, the new Apple products do not run Windows. They can run it in emulation mode, which is not always the best and easiest way to do things. But still, if you need a top-notch Windows-based uh, laptop, I've found that the Surface range from the Surface 3 all the way up to the new the new Surface designs have always been extremely good quality, integrated, slick to use, and now fully supported in South Africa, which is always a huge bonus and um, kept me from buying those type of products over the little while. But there's a new Surface Duo 2. There's a, a whole lot of new little Surface products that are coming. I believe that the Laptop Studio is going to be the, the killer one, but the new Surface Pro 8 is great. The Surface Pro X, which is their tablet with a detachable keyboard, looks pretty slick. They've got a brand new Slim Pen 2, which is very cool. It's got some nice uh, nice features. It's even got some haptic feedback. They even announced a Duo 2, which is a phone with two screens that flips and closes. I don't think we'll see that in South Africa, not for a, for the foreseeable future. It, it looks a little gimmicky. Maybe it'll work quite well in the USA, but... We'll talk about folding phones in a second because I'm reviewing the new Samsung Fold 3, which is one seriously advanced piece of gear. But back to Microsoft. The new Microsoft laptops are on sale very shortly in most of the world. I expect to see them sometime October, November in South Africa. And they come with the latest Intel processors. They've shrunk the bezels, so the screens are pretty much edge-to-edge. Its biggest competitor in South Africa are the Dell XPS series, and I found that generally very comparable, but the form factors of the various Surface products are always very interesting, especially with a combination of a good battery life, pretty fast processing, the latest Windows compatibility, as well as really good quality screens and updates that are seamless. You update the hardware, the software, all through Microsoft, and quality of manufacturing is excellent. And with the service and support that Microsoft now offer in South Africa, it probably makes it the premium uh, laptop or premium tablet stroke laptop stroke convertible that you can buy. So check them out. They're not cheap. They start at 30 to 40,000 Rand for some of the models. There's some, some of the smaller ones, the Surface Pro X are a little bit cheaper than that, but they're a premium product aimed at the premium market using the latest technologies available, and they're certainly extremely compatible from top-notch screens to very fast uh, video processors. You name it, the new Surface Pro range certainly does have it, and very, very, very cool products there. Now, moving on, I can see my time has got a little disjointed this week, and time's moving on. I have had, courtesy of Samsung, the new Galaxy Fold 3 in my pocket the last couple of weeks, and I must tell you, this is the most interesting device that I have played with in many, many years. We all got so used to having a phone that's been a pretty much candy bar, slab of plastic, metal, pretty square, long device with all the gizmos, gadgets, and everything you we talked about with iOS, but both the Galaxy S21, 22 series, but the Fold really does break the whole mold of, of smartphones. And what they've done, they've done an incredible job of bringing this phone right up to date, giving it some of the latest technology. So it comes with the latest processors built in, both depending where you are in the world, with either the Samsung processor or the um, 
the Qualcomm processor. It comes in a two, comes, the one I've got has got the Snapdragon 888, which is the latest Qualcomm processor, 12 gig of RAM, 256 gig of storage or 512 and has two displays, a 6.2 inch on the outside using the latest Gorilla Glass, which makes it super, super high resolution. And it's a 120 hertz screen. So super smooth, but very high resolution, bright, top quality displays. Samsung seem to have really got the displays down right. And it's full function, unlike the previous Fold. So you get all the functionality you can possibly want on your front screen without opening. But the magic comes when you open it. It turns into essentially a 7.6-inch tablet with a 120 hertz adaptive screen. So it's super slick, super fast, and huge. Um, Samsung have done a pretty good job with Android to get a lot of apps to work extremely well. It works with a new S Pen which works also very, very well, so you can draw. It's great for gaming. The only little negative, and a lot of people notice it, I've got used to it, is that there is a bump in the middle of the screen where it folds. Now, when you're looking head-on or you're busy with your pen, you don't really see it. It does not become that noticeable, but it is there. There's no way around the fact that this is a plastic screen inside, which they've improved unbelievably the, the device itself is now waterproof, which is great. It's not 100% waterproof. I certainly wouldn't leave it at the bottom of a pool for too long, but it can handle a reasonable amount of dunking and getting wet. It is not particularly dustproof, which is an interesting thing. So I wouldn't take it to the beach, but essentially the new screen seems extremely rugged. It is very high quality. It folds, which is pretty remarkable, and the bump becomes less and less noticeable. What I do find, the phone is still a little bit chunky, but it is pretty slim and actually very easy to put in your po- your pocket. The battery life is pretty good. It's got a 4,400 milliamp hour battery, and um, the battery life I found for the most part to be extremely, extremely good. So if you're looking for something now, the one thing, it's not a cheap phone. It's going to retail for over 30,000 rand probably close to 40,000 Rand. It's cheaper than last year's, but it runs the latest version of Android. It's got a really smooth Samsung sort of wrapper over uh, over Android. If you're a fan of Samsung, if you're a fan of the latest form factors, and you do need something that, one, you browsing, playing games, doing all sorts of things on, is pretty amazing. I'll be back straight after this, and we should... Um, and we and I will wrap up my review of the Z Fold 3, but we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Just wrapping up the Galaxy Z Fold 3, I am completely and utterly taken with the novelty and the, the functionality of this device. The cameras are in the the top cameras that I've used. I think the iPhone 12 camera is, in some respects, slightly better. But overall, this is a remarkable piece of gear. The front screen is outstanding. The internal screen, once you get used to the little fold in the middle of the fold, is is spectacular. Having a full tablet for certain things, answering emails, taking notes, using the S Pen, which is an actual add-on, it doesn't come with the device, is, is spectacular. Overall, everything works smoothly, fast. The front camera is hidden under the screen. You can't even see it until it shows you like little dots. 
The selfie ability of that front camera is not as good as many that I've tried, but it is hidden under the screen and you can't actually see it, so there's no notch. And overall, overall the S Pen support is excellent. It, it really works beautifully and very, very slick. There's a taskbar feature on the big screen which makes it feel like a computer and all the various Knox security and software features are there. Samsung is also working very closely with the various partners. For example, right now the Microsoft Outlook app is not optimized for the screen, but so many are. You can actually sit with the Google, um, Google Gmail app and you can what reads, you can fold your, fold up your phone, leave it on the desk. You can watch something on the top and see your emails coming through the bottom. So lots and lots of useful ways of using it. And as I said, as a party stopper, as a, a conversation starter, there's just no question. It's got a fingerprint reader in the front. It's got not such great facial recognition. I often find I have to frown before. Maybe that says something more about me than the phone. But I need to frown to get it to recognize my face. But Samsung have created, and I know that it's a pretty thin field, but this is without question the best folding phone on the market as a phone as a device, it is probably one of the top devices on the, the market currently, and it's durable, it's rugged, the front screen scratch resistant, the internal screen being plastic is not quite as scratch resistant, but they say maintain there is absolutely no way you're going to damage the screen in normal use. So check it out if you're in the market for the coolest phone on the market, you like Android, you're a Samsung fan, this is definitely one of the slickest, smoothest phones that you're going to play with for many, many years. Check it out in the stores. It's available right now, and um, you should be able to pick them up pretty much anywhere. they got great covers. It's just a well-thought-out, super smooth uh, phone, and I've loved every minute that I've used it, and it's becoming pretty indispensable. Hard to, to avoid that massive, massive screen. So we'll be back uh, straight after this. We're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I've got a really interesting app which – solves a couple of problems, and then that should wrap us up for the day. I have to wrap up now. We are almost at the end of the show, but I have a geeky app that everybody who wants to know how their cables and their various charges are affecting their phones, um, and it's called Ampere, A-M-P-E-R-E. It's available on iOS. It's available on Android, and it tests your charger and the cable. Many of us have tried some strange chargers because a lot of phones don't come with chargers in the box. But check it out. Download the Ampere app. It'll tell you how you're charging, how fast you're charging, and tell you if your cable's broken and not working. And on that note, till same place, same time, next week, this is Stephen Ambrose on High FM for Tech Talk.